Wake Up World. You are now tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I'm your host, Devon Pouncey. We're here at the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, which is also the home of 102.9 and 750, the Game Sports Radio Station. As you know, we are on iTunes now, so make sure you go subscribe there at Wake Up and Win with Devon Pouncey. We're also on SoundCloud, so you can subscribe there as well. We thank you all for the support that you've been showing us, and we're going to keep this going, and we will not stop no time soon. So today I got Rodney back here with me, and we're going to just jump straight into it. Yes, sir. And the first thing that I want to talk about is these $495 pair of shoes that uh, Lonzo Ball is releasing. Who does he think he is? Gucci? <laughs> but listen, I guess. <laughs> I, you know what? I actually watched the video. I watched his, like, kind of, I guess it was like a promo release video that he did announcing that he was releasing the shoes. I don't think he mentioned the price in that video, but what he did mention was kind of like the reason and why he was doing it. He was basically saying he wanted to affect change uh, for the people around him. He wanted to, he said he was doing it for the culture. And obviously that part stands out for me because on this podcast, we focus on the intersectionality of sports, politics, and culture. And his point was that he was doing it for the culture. And what I think his main point by saying that is was he's trying to i think people are missing the message they're mixing the price number with the message that it is that lonzo ball is trying to send out i think he's trying to send out a message pretty much telling people that we are free now as people he's trying to show freedom for his type of people for one i think he's getting a lot of He's getting a lot of criticism for the price of his shoes and how they may not help inner city youth and people in inner city communities. Right. And even from that perspective, he's from Chino Hills. Yeah. He, Any, don't know anybody that. who <laughs> anybody who knows anything about Chino Hills knows that that's not the inner city anyway. It's a nice neighborhood. So right there. so so for you to expect somebody like him to be looking out for the inner city just don't quite expect that from somebody that's not really from the inner city you don't know anything about it so 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 with that it's like that's kind of pointless to really give him that critique because he's not from the inner city anyway so he probably doesn't really know much about the inner city struggle but like i said what i do respect about it is the fact that he's taking his own route and he's being his own person in his road to obviously becoming a professional basketball player but he's just taking advantage of his own career without kind of partnering up with other corporate corporations or well he couldn't partner up they didn't want him no they wanted him well they wanted him but they didn't want to co-brand yeah they well obviously yeah they didn't want to co-brand but like i said even still that's because he's he's deciding that well, him and his father, both. Is it, is <laughs> it him or is it his father? <laughs> That's the thing. Now, that part that part right there, I don't really know. And I think only time will kind of tell. Obviously, right now, he's piggybacking everything that his father is saying and everything that his father is doing. Only time will tell, not even just amongst him, but even Leangelo and LaMelo, only time will tell if that's not really quite working out for them. So let me ask you this. I understand the culture aspect of it. Do you think he has the right, though, to have a shoe cost more than Michael Jordan's shoes, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant? I I think he does have a right because I don't think it's necessarily about the shoe in the first place. I think people are getting the shoe mixed up with what it is that he's trying to do. First of all, the people that you just named are partnered up 
with these other companies and or corporations that probably wouldn't allow that anywho. Right. Now, as far as somebody like a Michael Jordan, we know he's got some greed to him. I definitely respect LeBron James. LeBron James does so many things for inner city youth right. and for black communities and all types of communities. But as I stated earlier about about Lonzo not necessarily coming from that type of background, LeBron James does come from that type of a background. So you would expect somebody that comes from that to give back to that. So I think, like I said, I think people, he's he's no he knows what he's doing with these outrageous prices. You think they're going to sell? I don't necessarily think, I, 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 I don't think they're going to sell. I think people are going to buy them, but I don't think he's going to have like an overload of success. I think there's a lot more that goes into that as far as distribution is concerned. I don't really know the schematics as far as how his shoes are being made. We all know the it's a lot of politics behind how Nike shoes are made and how Jordan shoes are made. Well, Jordan, it's all under kind of the same umbrella, but, you know, they're getting made overseas somewhere for a very low price, a very minimal price. And I don't necessarily know what the big baller brand is doing to get their apparel made, however it is that they're doing it. I don't know if they're getting it made here in America. It's probably going to cost more, and it, it could lead to his shoe sales failing. But he's still going to cover that in other areas, obviously, playing professional basketball. But I just think it's it's the message that's important, from his perspective at least. Right. I'm not buying his shoes, so <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, <not>. I'm definitely <laughs> not buying his shoes. But what would your take be on it? I, I like what he's doing. You know, it's kind of a stepping stone because he do have two younger brothers. And then he has his dad who's is really putting their brand out there. And, and you can't respect him because as a as a black business, you know, he, he's trying to enter the shoe world and, and not be partner up with Nike and not be partner up with Adidas or Under Armour. So they do get to start off where they at. And, you know, the next shoe could be a lower price. You know, this could just be how the first shoe. And I, it's going to be off from sports, but Kanye really had a problem with Nike because he couldn't even design his own his own stuff. You know what I mean? And so when if they start their own with the Big Baller brand, they can use their own designs, you know, and all the money is coming back to them because it's them. You know what was crazy? I, I was at work today and I, I my other job outside of hearing radio and I work for a company called Albertina Kerr and we kind of work with troubled youth and things of that sort. And we were talking about it. Me and one of the other coworkers were talking about it. And so I showed one of the kids that I work with the shoe. I showed her the initial shoe. And she's like, oh, my gosh, those things are ugly. (laughs) This, this and that and the rest and whatever, whatever. And obviously, I think part of that was because she kind of eavesdropped on the conversation that myself and the other coworker had. So she kind of already had her mind made up that the shoes were ugly because right. my other coworker saw the shoes and he said that they were ugly. So I waited about an hour later and I didn't even wait really about an hour later. I was just scrolling on the Twitter timeline and I saw somebody post a tweet and it was the same exact shoe. It was his shoe, the ZO2 or whatever it's called. It was the ZO2 just playing with the big baller logo. And then it was the same shoe and you could tell like they pretty much graphically designed or whatever to put a Nike swoosh on it. <laughs> and so and so I come so I come back to the girl and I ask her. I said, "Hey, check this shoe out. This shoe kind of tight, huh?" 
just to just to see what right. she it, Oh yeah, that's tight, dude. So it blew my mind. I'm like, you don't even know that this is the same exact shoe that you just called ugly an hour ago. And all that's the difference is is that it's a Nike swoosh on it. It's all about name. So so it showed me a lot. Like it showed me a lot. Like we're programmed to think that Nike is tight or Adidas is tight or that you have to wear Nike or that you have to wear Adidas and now Under Armour being on the rise. It, like we're programmed to think that that is the way to go. The only way to go. The too. only way to go. And it's like, you know, like I said, I, I've seen different memes about Shaq and his, I think they said he sold, sold over 120 million pair of shoes, but his goal in selling those shoes, shoes were also to support and help inner city kids to buy shoes. And I just don't think that that's the message that they're not pushing this message for just inner city youth. I don't think this is an inner city deal that we're dealing with right now. This is about their brand and the freedom that you can have within branding for yourself. And you can, and people in the inner city are trying to brand themselves daily. And obviously people with already established brands are still focusing on how they can continuously enhance their brand. So I think this was more of about branding than it was about helping out kids in the community and things of that sort. And like I said, I do think helping out kids in the community obviously would help when it comes to kids being able to buy, afford and actually buy these shoes. So I do think that would help his business. And like I said, I don't know the distributing assets and all of that and how they're getting that done. If the shoe, I don't even know if the shoes are going to be, are they going to be in champs? Are they going to be in Foot Locker? You got to buy right, them online. Right. Like, I don't I don't know. Like, are they going to be sold at the places that kids or youth would go buy these kind of shoes at? Hey, Pounce, you know what's crazy? You know, Shaq made shoes for the inner city kids, right? Right. But the funny thing is they got downplayed. They got, you know, talked about. If you wore Shaq's, you got talked about. And he made the shoes so people can afford them. So we got people that complains about affordable shoes, but they only want the expensive shoes. That's it. Man, listen, I compare it to something like hip-hop. We glamorize all of the fancy jewelry. We glamorize wearing the expensive belts, wearing the expensive shoes. And we are probably, monetarily wise, the least wealthy culture. Definitely. You know what I mean? But we glamorize wearing the most expensive stuff. We glamorize all that. So I think that's, I mean, a problem within inner city communities and that's that can be an issue. Like we're hypocritical. Like I said, with hip hop, I'm obviously a fan of hip hop. I, I, I've, I've grown up in inner city communities as well. So I've, I've got to learn and understand that we sometimes focus on the wrong things anyway, like price, which is why I think if people can just take their mind, can unwrap their mind from the price of the shoe and really think about the message that they're trying to send out as a brand and what you can do with your own brand, I think it would help people go a much further way. That doesn't mean you have to buy the shoe to to respect right. that what they're doing as a brand. But just maybe take a note or two about what they're doing with their brand and see how you can incorporate it in your own brand that you may already have established that just is stagnant or that you may be thinking about establishing. You just got to think about it from a different perspective. So, and like you said, people dogged Shaq out for years dogged him. for those shoes. You know what I mean? People dogged him out for years for those, those shoes. So it's like you can't always 
focus on the like I said, I'm 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 definitely an advocate for giving back. I'm not yeah. I'm not taking anything away from that. <clears throat> but that's not always the message that's being sent from people. Especially somebody that doesn't even come from that kind of a background anyway, being that he grew up in Chino Hills. Hey, and back to, to, to the big baller brand, this could have just been a publicity stunt. Just Everything to get else has out. been. Right. You know, even though, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about him. I, the very first episode that we did, the very first Wake Up and Win episode that we did, we had Malika Andrews in here. And her and I kind of had a little back and forth discussion because we talked about LeVar Ball. That was when he first really got hot and popping on the scene. And we talked about, you know, everything that he was doing marketing wise. And I compared him to Donald Trump back then. Right. This is no different. No this different. Is, we're talking about the same people. He's sitting back <laughs> laughing right now. Right now, he's sitting back <laughs> laughing. I seen him tweet out something earlier about the about, well, if you can't afford the big baller brand or the shoes, then you're probably not a big baller anyway. He's having fun with this he's right now, fun man. You're talking about LeVar Ball, Ball and Lonzo period. Ball in the ball, brother. Hey, so take notes. I'm not telling you to go out, go and be outrageous, but hey. See what you can take and incorporate for your own brand or whatever kind of situation you have going on. So that's just kind of my take on that. Now, next up, I want to talk to you, Rod. Have you ever dealt with racial slurs while playing on the court? Or you play basketball. You did play basketball for the majority of your career, I know. You might have. Did you play some football too? Yeah, I did play football. Okay, so I play for the uh, Fairfield Falcons. Either Pop way, one. either way. So before we even get into the backstory of all this, I want to know if you have your own story of dealing with racial slurs while being an athlete. Oh, definitely, definitely. I never forget it. Um, I'm not gonna put the high school out there like that, but uh, it was a high school game, JV, and we was playing in their summer tournament, the home team, and we were really beating them down. Yeah, we was having fun with it, you know, throwing oops and doing whatever that. But then they start getting real racial. You know, we start getting the N-words out there. We start getting the monkeys and, the, you know, get up out of here. And it, it just was surprising to me because, you know, you could talk about my skills. You suck or you're you're not that good of a shooter. You can't dribble. But when it get racial, it's like now the true colors is coming out because you're losing. Now you're showing how you really feel, how you really think. And I think that's just, I don't know, it's out of pocket. It's, it's not right. So, so my reasoning for asking that question, some of you may or may not have heard Adam Jones, a uh, professional baseball player. He talked about his experiences at Fenway Park in Boston and that basically every time that he plays at Fenway Park that he deals with racial slurs from fans. Right. And he's gotten a lot of support from other athletes, uh, CC Sabathia, who is actually, uh, me and CeCe are from the same hometown, so I definitely got a lot of respect for CeCe. Uh, CeCe Sabathia has supported him. Draymond Green has supported him and in, in, in said statements. Even LeBron James has even come out with statements about pretty much dealing with racial slurs as athletes. And I actually have my own story of, Dealing with, I've been an athlete myself, majority of my life. I played sports all the way up through college. And I have my own story from back when I was in the fifth grade. So I was in the fifth grade. I played in a league called NJB, mm. some national junior basketball. Uh, I played all net, which was pretty much as elite as you can get within that league. 
And every year they have a national tournament that they host in in Anaheim, California. And long story short, my team made it to the championship game. And I've always pretty much been a bruiser in the paint. That was that was what I was kind of known for throughout my career. Zebo. So so <laughs> so <laughs> so in the championship game, I was one of the better players on my team. Me and the big guy from the other team, they actually it was Anaheim Hills who we played against in the championship game. And me and the big guy from the other team, we we were kind of bumping and bruising. And I was kind of getting the best of them. Uh, I I played for a pretty tough team. Now that was kind of our mo. We only had seven players on that team, so our coach always kind of told us was go out, play them, go out, hustle them, be physical. That was kind of his pitch. Was we kind of had to go out there and punk guys, right, right? And so that was the mentality that our coach had instilled it in us, even in the fifth grade, because we although we had some talented players on our team, we only had seven players on our team, so. That was that was the way that I played. And at that young of an age, that can factor into me being pretty much better than my opponent. You know what I mean? Because right. in the fifth grade, everybody isn't really being taught to go out there and straight up punt guys. And I was taught that. So me and the big guy, we were going at it. It was a pretty good game. I think we were up four points. And their coaches were kind of bickering. Parents were kind of bickering. I wasn't necessarily doing anything dirty, but I, I, I got down with him a little bit. I right. wasn't in foul trouble or anything like that. I was out on the court, so obviously I wasn't doing anything that dirty. So this big guy goes out the game. Their other big guy comes in. The first big – this was a majority Caucasian team that we were playing against. The starting big guy who I was initially going head-to-head with was African-American. He was about the only African-American on that team. The other big guy that – came in pretty much as his sub. Mind you, like I said, we didn't have we only had seven players. So I hardly had any subs. So I had to play against your starter and your backup. Right. So yeah. so the backup big man comes in and same thing. I'm getting with him. We I'm bruising him up. We we're playing pretty physical. I'm getting the best of him. So one play they come down and I I got him in the post and I'm posting him up trying to get position to get the ball and he just like wraps his arm around my neck and like puts me in a headlock. So he puts me in a headlock. So at first I'm kind of like refs aren't calling anything. And so I'm kind of like just sitting there in a headlock for a little while. Then, all right, enough is enough. I kind of shake out of the headlock and I swing on him. I connect a couple times and I, I start fighting him on the court. Literally start fighting the dude on the court. Did you win? So, Oh, yeah, I definitely won. <laughs> I, I definitely won. And, and and he played the victim role anyway. Yeah, I, of course. I, of course. I ended up getting kicked out of the game. He didn't get kicked uh. out of the game. Like I said, we only had seven players on our team, and I was pretty vital. I was our big man. And throughout that entire tournament, I was actually leading us in scoring, too. So I was pretty vital to our team uh, in that tournament, and especially, obviously, in the championship game. And it's the second, it's the second quarter when this is happening. So I swing him off me. I start punching the guy or whatever. Referees come break it up. Everybody, whole game stops. I get ejected. The other kid kind of plays the victim role. He's crying or whatever, whatever. And so his father is in the stands. Get that N-word out of here. Uh, he's he's out there. He's out there playing like a thug. Get that young thug out of here. Mm. And my father, my dad was the kind of, he was at the game. My dad was the kind of person that 
he always allowed us to kind of be coached by other coaches. He wasn't quick to jump up and kind of he, – he wanted me to learn how to play for other coaches. Even at that young of an age, he, he trusted other, us being in the hands of other coaches, and I think it benefited me a lot in the long run. So the guy just was going, going, and going, and so obviously now you're, you're atta- he's attacking me. This adult is attacking me, using racial slurs, calling me a thug, this and that and the rest. And so my dad kind of bossed up on him. Like, that's my son you're talking about. He kind of he kind of hit him with the Debo. So so then all <laughs> the parents go to kind of separate that. And it just, and then my coach was getting ready to quit because they felt like it was just a bunch of prejudice stuff going on. And so, like I said, then my coach also kind of think we did he thought we didn't have a chance anymore because I was playing so well in that tournament. Now we only got six players. We lost our big man. One are Tremaine Bondurant. Right. You know, he that one of the guys we grew up playing with. He also ended up playing Division One football at the University of Arizona. He was a standout safety there. But Bondurant was like our coach was ready to quit. He's like, come on, bring us off the court. And even as mad and as angry as I was about getting kicked off, I wouldn't let coach quit. Like, no, we're gonna finish this game out. And Bondurant went in on coach, like, we not quitting this game. And Bondurant ended up going for about 35 in that game, and we ended up winning the national championship. So look how karma works. Yeah, it, it ended up being a it ended up being a good story in the long run. But I said all that to say it is what I the reason I'm saying all that is racism has been a part of sports, and it is a part of sports at all levels. It is. It, it it like I said this I was in the fifth grade and I'm I'm being attacked by an adult obviously like I said I I did the in my opinion I I considered myself to be defending myself right by even fighting with this kid in the first place he put me in a headlock I got out of it and I did what I knew to do at least for a fifth grader yeah. and like I said I ended up getting kicked out but his attack on me was instantly racial it wasn't. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it could have yeah. been anything else, but it instantly turned into a racial attack to where my father had to stand in defense for me. And this is a it, grown man talking. This to is a, a fifth grown grader. man talking about a fifth grader, a exactly. Fifth grader. So I've definitely experienced that as an athlete, um, and I just think I know. I think LeBron mentioned about you know security and stuff being stricter on fans, but unfortunately, I don't think I think race is going to always be a part of sports. Um, I, I think race is just I, I, I just think it's unavoidable. Unfortunately, what a lot of people fail to realize, like today, this day and age, we pay homage and respect to the Jackie Robinsons. Right. And we pay homage and respect to the Muhammad Ali's. And obviously more present day, we're paying homage and respect to Colin Kaepernick. And right. we're dealing with race issues as we're at right now, because I think a lot of sports was stemmed off of racism. That's why we pay homage to Jackie Robinson, because he broke a barrier for us. And although that barrier was broken for us and we'll forever appreciate him for that and we'll forever do what we can as athletes to push that barrier forward. The foundation still remains the same, that racism has been a part of sports since day one, even before we were allowed to play sports. So. So it's 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 just unfortunate, but I think as an athlete, it's something that you have to be aware of, but you also have to kind of know how to 
I'm glad that it's being spoken out about. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm always about speaking out about it. But and because it allows us to have this discussion and it may allow others that listens to this podcast or elsewhere that may just listen to what LeBron had to say. People who has who LeBron, Draymond, CeCe, Sabathia, those people got a little bit more reach than we got even here on the podcast. So I'm happy it's being spoken about. And I do want people to realize that racism has been a part of sports since its foundation. And, you know, what really sucks about the whole situation is, you know, a lot of people are fans of celebrities or professional athletes, and they base their personality off what they see on the field, on the court. And we don't know what they do off the court. Colin Kaepernick, you know, a lot of people were attacking him because he was, you know, kneeling. Everybody knows his, his story, but they don't know that all the stuff he do off the field, the community stuff, the stuff when he give back. You know, he does a lot of charity work, but we judge him off because he, he took a kneel. You know? Yeah, and that's my thing, man. It's just... I just think it's it's going to always be a part of sports. And I think that's a part of the reason why, like I said, and, and, and people may think that, you know, I, like I said, our goal and our mission is to focus on the intersectionality of sports, politics, and culture. And people may think that, that, oh, that allows you to talk about so many things. And yeah, it does. But I feel like there's so much of a deeper importance than being able to talk about many different subjects than it is to really understand that there is a true intersectionality of sports, politics, and culture. Right. It just is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the intersectionality, it's inevitable. It will always be an intersectionality. There will always be room to talk about politics within sports. There will always be room to talk about culture within sports. Sports is so always deeper it's than sports. always deeper than sports. And I feel like, that's just something I kind of want to put out there because I have gotten those comments back. Like, oh, I mean, people appreciate what it is that I'm talking about, but I don't think they truly understand when I really tell people that, oh, yeah, we focus on the intersectionality of sports, politics and culture. I think people fail to realize that word intersectionality means a lot. <laughs> like, you know right, what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it means so much like the intersectionality means that they cross paths. And we want to talk about when these things cross paths here. So, yeah, that, that's just kind of my take. I'm glad that Adam Jones spoke out on it. I'm glad that Rodney and I got to tell our stories about what we've dealt with and, <laughs> as youth. You know what I mean? And, and, and I, I'm glad that, the, you know, the fans of Boston were able to give him a standing ovation to show that everybody is not like that. You know, a lot of people right. get the stereotype of one person do it, then the whole group does it. Yeah, and, I, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because those people do need to be recommend it you know what i mean because we could sit here because we can sit here and spew all these things about all these things out about racism at fenway park and people may think that we're just talking about that or, or people may get the kind of mentality that oh that's just everybody's there is racist everybody right. that's at fenway park is racist so i'm definitely glad that you mentioned that so lastly, before we get out of here, Rod, what's going on? We got I need an update. Playoffs so are still going playoffs, on. I we, need an NBA got, playoff update. I'm going to go series by series. We got Washington and Boston, which is a very interesting series. Um, your dark horse is down 2-1. Isaiah yeah. Thomas went berserk, 53 points, Nuts. most points in the playoffs since Allen Iverson with 55. Mad respect for him as a player. And he, did it, and he did it on his sister's birthday. On his sister's so. birthday. So much respect for him. Absolutely. You know, I don't know how he's even playing right now. I personally think whoever wins this next game is going to win the series. Game four. You're game saying four game four. Is, is very important because if, if the Wizards go down 3-1, it's a wrap for them. 
if they win, they have a good chance because they were in both games. They're actually controlling the first two games. They just kind of gave it away towards the end. So, so this is my take on it. You say whoever wins game four wins the series. That's it. As if you don't know who's going to win game four. My take is I know who's going to win game four, and it will be the Washington Wizards. Ooh. And the Washington Wizards will win the series. And here's why. They finally were able to get that kind of momentum shift. I tweeted something out today, and one of my good friends, Spencer, he always says is like, man, you know, a playoff series doesn't really start until you lose at home. Right. And and I felt him when he said that because I truly don't think Washington is going to lose at home. I still think Washington is the better team. I think in game one you had a lights-out shooting night from Boston at home. You know, obviously Isaiah played a big game, but you had, you had Crowder. I think he was like six for eight from the three-point line. Not going to happen every night. And like you said, uh, Washington, I think they started off 16-0 maybe in 16, that game. Zero. They had the game under control. It took pretty much a freakish night from the Boston Celtics to win that game. Game two, Washington gave that game away. They were in control for pretty much the majority of that game. And in that game, you had home court advantage, and you also had a guy by the name of Isaiah Thomas who scored 20-plus points in the fourth quarter and ended up having a 50-point game. That's not going to happen every night. It's not. It's, not. <laughs> it's just not going to happen every night. Tonight, you had an absolute blowout, 116-89. to 89. You had a blowout in Washington. Blowout, which all the other games were almost on Which, which were potential out. blowouts, yeah. but the, like the Boston just had the Celtics, the luck of the Irish, they had the luck of the draw in those games. And like I said, they were playing at home. Today, they had to go play in Washington's environment and they got it handed to them, handed. and I believe that Man that's going to happen again on, I believe it's going to happen again on, I think Sunday is when they play next. I believe it's going to happen in game four. And then, you know, they get to go back to Boston, and that's going to help them some. But now, you know, Washington's kind of got a rhythm going. And with, with the unstoppable players that they do have, I think Washington is still going to take this series. Uh, I want to say one thing. I don't promote violence, but I do like the the I don't know the tension between the it's two. It's a teams. lot of tension. Yeah, you know, it, it was eight <laughs> technical <laughs> fouls this last game. Eight, yeah, eight, the yeah. most ever in the that, playoff game. That's playoff basketball. That's to playoff me. basketball. I mean, you obviously had Ubre and Kelly Olynyk, and many people out there were just so happy that Ubre even kind of attacked him, I guess. Although it was a push, I didn't see any punches thrown. Right. I don't think Ubre should have gotten kicked out of the game. For one, I didn't see any punches thrown. He might have gave him a little bit of a push, but Ubre flopped. He it did. wasn't a yeah. <laughs> he flopped on that too. And obviously Ubre has been known to be a dirty player. He he's he's yeah, had many different incidents where he's kind of gotten the label of being a dirty player. So, but I do like the tension. I seen uh, Brandon Jennings and Rozier. They both yeah. got kicked out of the game today for double technicals, but that's playoff basketball. That's playoff like, basketball. like, they're, like they're playing for it all right now. All right, and so let's go to the next East series. Let's man. do it. Let's do it. Uh, it's not much to talk about. Uh, yeah, it's a wrap. Cleveland and Toronto. That's a wrap. Toronto's lucky to get one game. They're not going to get one game. That's a wrap. LeBron is a man on a mission. Yeah, yeah. LeBron's, LeBron has a championship team right they're now. They're And they're playing at a championship level. And they're also showing that the the little end of the season blues that they were going through, 
it doesn't matter. This is an entirely new season where guys take it to an entirely new level. They are still the defending champions, and LeBron is showing that he's still the best player in the game of basketball. And I want to say this about DeMar DeRozan. I think him and Kyle Lowry are overrated. I think they're talented. I think they're good, but they're not what people try to make them out to be. I, I, I think they're talented. I but mean, I DeMar mean, DeRozan not... and went 0 for 8 in a, in a playoff game where he didn't make one yeah, field I mean, goal. He, he went he, what, 1 for like 10 I the mean, last I, game. I still think he's an all-star. He's an all-star, so, but, but he's, I, he's... Anybody who expected anything more than him being an all-star, then, I, yeah, we kind of got a problem there. But when it comes to playing LeBron in a year like this, this is a crucial year. This is a crucial year for LeBron, and yeah. it's a crucial year for the team that we're getting ready to talk about next, which, like I said, I, I think it's going to be a sweep. Yeah. LeBron's a man on a mission. He knows what he has to look forward to, and what he has to look forward to is the Golden State Warriors, who just got the best of Utah Jazz again. I also think that'll be a sweep. That series is going to be a sweep as well. Utah can't score with them. You know, they got know. defense, but they can't score enough, and that's going to be their problem every single game. Every single game. Yeah, you just can't score with that team. That's that's a team full of scores who can also defend. Uh, they're, they're pretty much back to full strength now. They, they rested a lot of guys in the first round against Portland, and now you're playing against guys who are amped up and excited to finally all be back playing together again. You had Kevin Durant sitting out for a while. Uh, Livingston is back playing. You got guys... I think is Matt Barnes back. Matt, Matt Barnes, Barnes is back. Played. Matt, he, Matt Barnes played. He had a good, pretty good game. And and he's going to be a factor in the long run. Yeah, what a is. lot of people don't know, Matt Barnes is going to be a factor in the long run. But you got Matt Barnes back, and I think that series just kind of doesn't matter anymore because the Golden State they don't they want to spend as less time in Utah as possible because they don't they like the out. nightlife. They don't want to be out there. I don't blame them for not wanting to be out there. They're going to go to Utah, take care of business, and get back and get ready for the following series. So so, what, so you got that to be a sweep, right? That's a sweep. That's, That's a, sweep. a sweep. So, yeah. Bring next, the brooms out. So next series, we got a 1-1 one, one series. It's 1-1, one, it's one, it's one, one, right? One. It's 1-1. One, one, two, one. two blowouts. Two blowouts. San Antonio Spurs and the Houston Rockets. I'm going to be honest, the Spurs – Took a big blow with Tony Parker. He's yeah. out for the season. He's out for the season. Yeah. And that's not the reason why they're going to lose. I thought they would have lost with Tony Parker as well. But I think where the Spurs messed up was giving Houston that game that they gave them in San Antonio. I will say that, but this is pop we're talking about. This is pop we're talking about. But I but but this is but this is pop with well now without Tony Parker, but this is also pop without Tim Duncan. Right. And and I think a lot of people don't understand the value even as even as old as Tim Duncan became later on in his career. I think people don't understand the value of that dude out there. He made everybody better his leadership qualities on the floor made guys so much better uh including Kawhi and I think Kawhi is still the truth. I think he's the best probably two-way player in the game, but you got the leadership qualities that he had Guys like LaMarcus Aldridge, oh, my gosh, what is he doing out there? I think LaMarcus is hurt. My personal opinion, he, he has to be. I hope he's hurt because he, he, he <laughs> looks a little stiff out there, I, but he's not playing that good. I hope he's hurt. Because he's not really playing good at I, all. I hope he's hurt because if he's not hurt, I don't know. So and, you think he's going to win, right? Hurt, even if he is hurt, if he had somebody like Tim Duncan out there to not only split minutes but to tell him, like, man, you got to kind of push through that. 
I think that would help him. So let me ask you, what what is the game? What does the series go to? I, I I'll say Houston in six. So I personally think it's going to be Spurs in six or seven. I, yeah, I think it'll be Houston in six. Well, first of all, I already had Houston. I already predicted that the conference final would be Houston and Golden State, and then I, I ultimately have Golden State winning that. Uh, I, I won't say in how many games until that actually happens, but I think it'll be Houston in six. I do think Pop and the Spurs will pull another victory out, but without Tony Parker, I think that hurts. That hurts a that lot. Hurts him a lot. That hurts a lot. If now Mills has to be the starter, but now you're losing bench. You're losing that fire off of that bench and leadership. That that, a lot that, of leadership. that yeah, that Houston has. Houston has got guys coming off the bench that's gonna fill it up. And I think Patty Mills does that for the Spurs. Right. But now he has to start. Now. now he has to start, and he has to deal with the Patrick Beverleys and the James Hardens of the world. And I just don't think that's gonna quite work out for them. And then, obviously, in that head-to-head with Harden and Kawhi Leonard, that kind of evens each other out. It's going to be the role player. And then the bigs, Aldridge is just inactive pretty much as far as I'm concerned. And Pal Gasol is a He's a pillow, man. Yeah, he's so he's, soft, he's, man. He's, a, he's old, all that stuff. he's like stuff. six foot or something, Yeah, man. so it's, it's just, <laughs> I, I just think it'll be Houston at least in six. I, I, I'm i going to go with Houston you in six. You know what I personally think, though? Game one, I think it was just the styles of play. I think they came from a very slow series that was very physical and grinded out to a, a gunslinging show. Yeah. Know? To a shootout and and that just hit them by surprise. I think they were just so used to that slow pace. Yeah, no, nah, well, I, I think I think with Harden playing that point guard position, I think Houston can play at whatever pace that they want to play at. I think people don't understand really how good of a team that Houston is because Harden can dictate the tempo of the game. And yeah. obviously, running gun is in their favor, but he's so good and he's and he is the primary ball handler out there that he can dictate the tempo of that game better than anybody else can. True. So that's my take on that. Up next, we got the world according to Keeve. We're going to give you all a little bit of the culture, and she will be up next. So you know what I say whenever we go on to a break or whenever we make a transition, and that is to stay woke and go win. Welcome back. Wake up and win with Devon Pouncey. So we're back and we got our weekly culture segment on now. And we got Akiva back here with us for the world according to Keeve. What's going on with you, Keeve? What's up, Pouncey? What y'all got going on? Oh, man, you know, just chilling, man. Just chilling. Glad to have you back on. What you got going on out there in L.A.? I love it. Um, you know, things are good here. I have to give you guys my weekly startup about Asad Khaled. Right. He is my life. Um, <laughs> so my favorite post this week was from DJ Khaled. Um, it's a picture of Asad sitting in like a jumper seat. And he's so happy. He has the biggest smile on his face. And the caption was, I just, mind you, I'm going to read it to you how I think DJ Khaled is saying it. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, like, do it. Do it just like said, that. <laughs> I just played hashtag grateful the album to my son at Asad Khaled, the executive producer, and he gave me the green light to mix and master the album. Fan love release date comes soon. <laughs> so he's in all caps, 
explaining this while this little baby has no idea what mixing and mastering even means. You're right. <laughs> so that was my favorite for the week. Uh, there was one more. It was like of them on a jet. And he said, my son is here. The dawn. Assad said, daddy, you should start flying again. I said, shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that 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 whole thing is crazy. That kid is super rich, though. I tell you. Oh, I love it. So it, that was my uh, that was just my weekly update on the Todd Callen. Just keep you guys in the date of what's going on. I'm sure everyone heard the one. Um, I love it personally. I think it's a banger right now. It's like a good summertime song to have going. So yeah, 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 yeah. Top down, sunroof gone, all the the whole nine oh. yards. For sure. Like, it's a total L.A. song. I'm loving it out here. It's, it's what I'm about. So I'm loving that. Is everybody spinning it out there right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't gone out yet this week since it's been released. But I'm, it's Cinco de Mayo. So, hey, shout out. Um, we're definitely going to go out tonight. And so I'm sure I'll hear it. Yeah, most definitely. Hey, we got a couple of da- we got a couple days of sunshine out here. We touched 80 yesterday. I heard that. And you yeah. know what? We must have swapped because it's cloudy and gloomy here. It's like 65 degrees. Well, it's cloudy and gloomy here again today, too, so don't trip. <laughs> I'm but, mad at it, though. I was like, hold on. I woke up this morning and I said, no, this is not why I moved here, actually. So you're right. We need to fix that, weatherman. Yeah, no, yeah. Like I said, yesterday, we hit the 80s yesterday, and then it was supposed to be like some big thunderstorm last night that I guess kind of hit, but it definitely didn't hit to the magnitude that uh it was explained via broadcast but but yeah the last two days we we got some sunshine out here i'm 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 turning black again i love that yeah about, <laughs> indeed indeed so what you got next for us keith all right so i gotta ask did you hear the little yachty joe bun interview because indeed gave him his life Indeed, I heard that. I heard that. What, what was your thoughts on it? Let me know what you think, and then I'll kind of piggyback off that. So I have to be honest. There were parts where I just, I don't feel like Lil Yachty really knows what he's doing. Like, I do feel like Joe Budden, although he didn't have to go as hard as he did, like, he was handing in his life like he never had before. Right. And I was like, wow, this is hurting me right now. But, I mean, it was true. I just think that it's important for artists in this industry to be aware of, you know, the the deals that they're getting themselves into and what it means to be a part of a label. Because when Joe Budden was like, so do you even know what a 360 deal is? Right. And he was like, I mean, no. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> how do you not know? He's like, I have a great attorney. Well, clearly you don't because he's not relaying the information for you so that way you know. Exactly. And and I think, honestly, I think a lot of people out there are mad at Joe Budden because obviously Yachty's trending. Yachty is making hot music right now. But I think Joe Bur- he all he did was what we do in this industry, you know, as a journalist, as a, in that case, he was a broadcast journalist. But, I mean, he challenged the guy, and I think Joe Budden has a place in hip-hop to be able to do that. And, That's what I feel. And so I'm not really mad at, at what Budden did. Um, he definitely exposed Little Yachty, and I hope that people that listen to that interview, especially younger people, are not really taking the route Yachty is taking, not as far as success is concerned, because obviously he's successful. But like you said, they, you got to know the business side of things and how things work. And, and Yachty doesn't know. I don't think that Joe was even being, like, offensive. I don't think he was trying to roast him in any way. I think he was honestly just saying, like, look, as someone who's been in this game for a long time and understands how it works, 
you need to educate yourself, which I completely, I mean, that's one of the big reasons why Chance has never been signed to a label, because he understands what it means when someone has total control over your music. And exactly. it seems to me like Lil Yachty is just in it for the money. Like the whole time when he was just like, I mean, look, man, like I'm, I'm getting money. Like that's all that it is. That's <laughs> you're actually an artist, do you actually care about what it is that you're putting out? Because if it's just about money, like you might as well just quit now. Man, yeah, because somebody's going to get you. In the long run, somebody, matter of fact, somebody may have already gotten him. He just might Honestly. think it looks good, you know what I mean? Because the label is going to take care of you, and they're going to, you know, make things look real, real sweet. But in the long run, if you don't pay attention, you will lose. Exactly. Well, I'm like, I just, I, I don't know. The whole thing, I was like, I just felt like he was kind of ignorant. Like how he was saying, they showed his, um, you know, his album cover. And I did like the idea behind that album cover of being like an outcast and, you know, just wanting to fit in and, um, you know, having people of all different races and different backgrounds and things like that and just bringing them all together. I love that. I'm all about that message, 100%. Right. However, if you're going to have a girl on the cover of your album that has vitiligo, make sure that you're saying it right because he's like, <laughs> <this> vitiligo. <laughs> I'm sorry, what, what is vertiligo? When, <laughs> when I Google it, it doesn't come up. Right. <laughs> so, like, that's fine. Be one of the people. But make sure you know what you're talking about before you're out here promoting things that right. you clearly can't even pronounce. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I doubt he probably can announce a lot of things. But Button did try to actually give him his props and say that he spoke well, I guess. He but, did. No, I completely agree. He was well-spoken. You can clearly tell he's educated. Like, he's not ignorant. He's just playing yeah. that role. Yes, I, I would just, there were a few things that made me be a little disappointed, especially how he was like, I'm an outcast in, in, in the rap industry and in this music. And right. I'm sitting here like, well, what, I, I just don't know what he thinks makes him an outcast necessarily. Right. Well, um, I mean, his, his music isn't to me like, I mean, I guess you could say because it's not typical rap, he, you can't really understand what he's saying half the time, but like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him an outcast. I think he, game. I think he considers himself an outcast in comparison to um, the former way hip hop was ran. I guess you know what I mean. Yeah. I think he's like right now he's kind of like the poster child of mumble rap. So right. so when he and obviously mumble rap, especially when it comes to people that have come in the hip hop industry before this mumble rap era. Um, mumble rap, I believe, as a whole has kind of been outcasted as far as tradition is concerned in the hip hop game. So I think with him knowing that he's kind of like the poster child of that, he consider his he considers himself to be that outcast. But obviously, mumble rap is not an outcast in today's right. era of music. So mm -hmm. so I think he's probably, you know, he's just with all the attacks that he gets for pretty much mumble rapping he's been the one who's pretty been pretty much been number one on the charts for, as, as of recent you know what i mean he's on either whether it's his song or whether he's featuring on it he's been number one on the charts a lot and he's really pushing that movement forward of mumble rap so like i said i just i think he's just kind of and then obviously just look at him <laughs> he does kind of okay. look like him <laughs> so here's my thing when I was watching this interview because I love that complex to put all their interviews on YouTube because then I can go and actually see what people look like right. I've never really studied his face before just because it was just covered in red braids that was, that was like the first thing I looked at absolutely but I was like boy 
you could get rid of those braids, show your face a little bit. Like, he has a good-looking face. He has, like, nice skin, beautiful white teeth. Like, and then he just puts these, like, horrible red, like, Bozo the Clown braids on. <laughs> and it kind of takes away from the fact that he's actually, like, somewhat attractive. You're right. That's, that's my personal you, you, view. So you, think, so you think he's attractive, Key? I mean, no, I would never give him any play. But, <laughs> I was about to say, like, you like, last week it was Drake. This week is Yachty. Oh What's going God. on, Keith? <laughs> that he's chocolate still, getting Drake to you? Still, Drake is still baby daddy, even though he's apparently about to be somebody else's baby daddy. I read that in the blog. Oh, that, wow. Um, ex-porn star is saying she, she got her pregnant and this is his second one this month of someone saying that so I'm going to need him to get it together figure himself out okay speaking of little Yachty though I do want to note that I'm loving how you know the rap culture is sort of getting looked at by um, you know high end fashion right um, and those things so you know obviously the Met Gala took place last week at the Metropolitan Art Museum in um, New York, right? which I've been to. It's an amazing place. Um, and there were all of these, like, I mean, Future was there, Migos was there. Who else? I think Migos performed, didn't they? Yes, they did. Donald Glover was there, which he's obviously a little bit different, but, like, he had a very um, progressive album, I think, that stood for a lot of black culture. And so to see... You know, people like Anna Whitmore, who's who's putting these productions on, making sure that those people are on the guest list. Right. I was like, well, somebody done brought the hood to the Met. To the Met, huh? I need to know who it was. Yeah, yeah um, I do but too. I, honestly, I was loving that. I loved seeing, like, you know, all these rappers kind of still be who they are and still, like, have pride in the fact that, like, he was like, I'm, we're from the trap. Like, it's not like... We grew up going to, you know, private schools, like, and now here we are. I kind of love that that was a, um, a trend this season. Right. Met. Yeah, I, yeah, I did see a lot of color up there. I was excited to see a bunch of the rappers. Uh, yeah, yeah, even Wiz. I know Wiz Khalifa was mm -hmm. back there. It, it was dope to see. Um, I saw a post that Jamie Foxx posted. I think his daughter was a part of it. She was partnered up with like Dolce and Cabana or something like that. But mm -hmm. yeah, it was dope to see. Like I said, I, I, I liked, honestly, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a fashion guru, but I definitely checked out some of those outfits up there and I thought they were pretty dope. Migos was fly. They was fly. Oh, they look dope. <laughs> they look dope. So yeah, I, I definitely like to see, you know, the culture, quote unquote, you know, exactly. in that, you know what I mean, in that environment. So it was definitely dope to see because I honestly, I don't, you know, like I said, I'm not really big on fashion like that. So mm -hmm. it was my first time really kind of looking into the Met Gala. I've heard of it, but it's kind of like been in one ear and out the other. This time, mm -hmm. obviously speaking with you allowed me to research it some, but obviously seeing some people that I could relate to, people that I listen to, you know what I mean? Being a part of it, it, it was pretty dope. It was pretty dope. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, I definitely like so hopefully we get invited to the next Met Gala. Look, I'm trying really hard to figure out what I need to do to get an invitation. Like, <laughs> I feel like it's lit. It's like, lit. I've seen people's selfies in the bathroom and like, I saw a picture of Bella Hadid smoking a blunt in the bathroom. I was like, what is this party? Yeah. Like, I think this is going up. And Yachty said it was lit. He said all it was was a bunch of people oh. eating expensive food and yes. Pretty much everybody who mattered was there, and yeah. and that yeah, it was lit. It was dope. He enjoyed it. And all they did was talk. He was like, "You just go from table to table and talk." Right. Like, right, on my <laughs> right. Like, what? Yeah, just talk game. Obviously, with people who are highly successful in whatever it is they do, I thought that was pretty dope. And 
yeah, I definitely, I definitely enjoy looking into it. I, like I said, I think, yeah, our our people and the people of our culture were pretty dang fly up there. I'll tell you. They definitely, it was, there was some black excellence going on. I had to give praise to that. I love that they came and they showed out. And, uh, yeah, I was a fan. I was a big fan. Uh, this is probably one of the more memorable Mets for me. For sure. Yeah, I would have to say the same. Well, you know, Kiva, we always appreciate you coming on and joining us, you know, and yes, giving us a love. little and giving us a little taste of what's going on in the culture. You got any events or anything coming up this week? I know you, you know, you're doing it all out there in LA. So what's going on in your world? What do you have going on right now? I think the people uh, need to know that. I'm trying to think you know what? Not a whole lot really. Um uh, no, I mean Cinco de Miles today, aka Cinco de Drinko. I'm gonna celebrate that. Um really hard i'm gonna start drinking margaritas probably around 5 p.m yeah um if you guys catch me on snapchat you'll be able to follow the festivities um <laughs> i have a wedding to work in a few weeks like i mean there's nothing really that major going on out here yet i mean summer's coming and so uh stuff will start to pop off and boom and music festivals and things like that but for right. now yeah it's just we're just, i'm trying to enjoy this weather if it comes back um and that's all. Just loving L.A. The culture is definitely prevalent here, so I'm loving that. So I, I think the hometown people at least deserve to know, when is Kiva coming back to make an appearance back home? Okay, guys. So I think it's been confirmed. I will be back in the town June 20th. Um, I have an event to work. It's my aunt's charity golf fundraiser. Okay. Um, so I will be back for the weekend. I'm going to try to do like a Thursday to Sunday type of thing, make sure I step out and see everybody show some love um but yeah june 20th be checking for me yeah yeah all right it's all good you know we'll have you right here in studio to do what you do and yeah. like i said thanks for hollering and we'll holler back next week i love it you guys know you can always send me questions k underscore hilly twitter instagram follow me and i got you guys hello all right keep we'll holler yep all righty and for everybody, I thank y'all for tuning in to today's episode. And you know what time it is. It is the time for you to stay woke and go in. Hello.